Welcome to the Byline Breakdown, the podcast where we go beyond the headlines to understand the story shaping our world. I am your host, Mike Moliterno. Today, we're diving into the heart of the Mahoning Valley's repopulation efforts. With us is Denise Dick. She is Special Projects Manager at the Business Journal, and she is also the author behind a story that we are about to discuss, which just so happens to be the cover story for our Growth Report 2024 Economic and Community Development Edition, which is in mailboxes this week. Thank you very much for being here, Denise. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me that back. A, that's a, you're welcome, and that's a fantastic photo that you have for your story. <laughs> I wonder who took it. It was amazing. Who took that photo? I have no idea, but that person <laughs> really knows what they're doing. Um, so, well, that's pretty cool, though. This is your first year with us, and you already got the cover of the growth report. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you've peaked. you, you got nowhere else to go. Um, all right, so let's start from the beginning. Can you, well, let's talk about, um, let's start kind of where you do with uh, the story of Moises Lopez, who is here in Youngstown from Miami. And could you talk a little bit about sort of how his experience highlights um, the broader trend of what's going on as far as repopulation in the Mahoning Valley? Well, Moises is from Honduras originally, and he lived in Miami for a few years. And then in 2020, he came to Youngstown because his daughter is here. He works in construction, and we met him at the English uh, class at the English Center. The English Center um, does. We're um, teaching non-native speakers how to speak English. And he said that um, he and the instructor both told us that he has what, what they call street English. He wants to learn proper English so he can communicate better with you know his people he works with, people who he lives around, because as he, as he told us in Miami, everybody spoke spoke Spanish, so really learning English wasn't that much of an issue. You could communicate because many people in that community spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. Here, not so much. So he's trying to learn English to um, you know help his daughter get better and you know exceed in um, his his position and just better his life. And you mentioned the English Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you talk about the role that they play and and kind of how important learning the English language is to uh, what these people are trying to do with their lives. Well, the English Center has been around for a long time. Um, it's been a, um independent nonprofit, I think, since the 80s. And they right now they don't have a, an office for, per se. They t- they Most of their classes are done virtually, which started during the pandemic because, you know, everything shut down. So they moved to virtual and they found out that that worked because um, a lot of people have transportation issues or they have childcare issues or there's conflicts with work. So they have that, but then they've also resumed their in-person and they do those at the Michael Kusalaba Library Branch. Kusalaba. Kusalaba Library Branch, it's a tongue twister, on the west side. And and I believe they have some also at the main branch. Mm -hmm. So they're people from all different countries who don't speak English or don't speak English well, and they're all together at the same time and an instructor teaches them English so that they can, you know, help their kids in school. They can um, get uh, rise up and work better there. You know, if you, you can't communicate, it's hard to get a hard to get a job. It's hard to find a doctor. It's hard to know what's at the grocery store and what you need. So, that, I mean, obviously, if, that, if you don't have that, you're going to be pretty limited in what you can do. Well, yeah. And a couple of the um, some of the stuff that they talked about uh, didn't surprise me, but it was stuff that you I guess you. It's that old thing where you wouldn't know about it until you tried to do it. So it was kind of, oh, that's obvious now that I hear about it. But just they talked about how do you know if you're sick? How do you know what the difference is between urgent care or a doctor's office or an emergency room? Or, you know, I could just see the amount of time that would be wasted by 
going to the wrong place. Right, especially to if, get something. if it's an emergency. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, well, what we're talking about right now is one aspect of the repopulation strategy. Right. And um, some some of our some local agencies, such as the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber, mm-hmm. Eastgate Regional Council of Governments, are pushing a three-prong strategy to repopulation. This is one of the prongs. Right. Could you talk about what the what the three prongs are and, and kind of how they all work in tandem? Retain, mm-hmm. receive, and return. So retain is keeping people here, like young people, you know, for as as long as I can remember, since I was young, you wanted to go if you whatever if you got out of high school, or you got out of college, and you wanted to leave. You know, I want to, you know, I want to go someplace else. There's nothing in the valley. Blah blah blah. I'm sure, uh, we all heard that. Probably kind of universal. Pro- probably, probably. Yeah, but we, yeah. But so they want to keep, even if they they want to keep people here. Not, right. you know, there's job. There's not jobs here now for a long time. When I grew up, there really weren't a lot of jobs here, so it was it was legitimate. But now there are. We've got all those. Um, you know, the high-tech industries that are located already located and lo- expected to locate to the Lordstown area, and I'm sure that'll that will grow out from just not just Lordstown but to surrounding areas. So there's that, and then the um, return is people who've left, who like uh, they they wanted to go to another job or even retirees. Um, that could be part of it too, um, and uh, or they're, they're working someplace else. Get them to come back here, and then re- recruit or return. Or, Receive. Receive. Yeah. Um, That's like what we talked about with their, um, with immigration and refugees. So we mentioned um, the Youngstown Warren Regional Chamber and Eastgate are two organizations that are pushing this. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are also, in addition to the English Center, there are other local organizations who are doing a bit more kind of boots on the ground work, actually interacting with um, these immigrants and refugees. Could you talk a little bit about? some of those organizations and what their efforts are and how they're trying to attract and integrate these people into the the community? Well, the Ursuline Sisters Mission, similar to the English Center, they do um, English language services, and they they have at their facility, um, which is in Youngstown, uh, offer of child care. So that's that's a help for somebody who has, you know, wants to learn language and has that need. They also help with, um, like, well, when, you, when you're coming into this country, you have an lots of docu- documents that you have to deal with. So mm-hmm. copying them and, and they can help with that kind of thing. So that's the Ursuline, Ursuline Sisters mission. And then there's a or- or- relatively new organization called Thrive Mahoning Valley. It started in 2017, initially to serve people who were moving here from Puerto Rico after the hurricanes. Because if you remember that year, there were a couple right. natural disasters and um, that were pretty devastating in Puerto Rico. So initially that's how it it. It uh, was founded, and it's evolved to all new. They want to serve all new um, newcomers to the area, and that organization is kind of behind the what the creation of what is still new. It's still a fledgling organization called not an organization, a group, Mahoning Valley Immigration Coalition, and it's bringing together all those different kinds of groups. The the um, the English Center and the Ursuline Sisters are all part of it, and they're kind of learning what each does and how they can work together to serve. Uh, people coming to the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to continue our discussion with a look at some similar efforts that are underway in nearby communities and their results right after this quick break. Attention all business enthusiasts in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. The Business Journal has been your trusted partner since 1984, giving insights, updates, and fostering growth in your region. From Mahoning to Mercer, from Columbiana to Lawrence, we've got you covered. 
For just $10 a month or $99 a year, unlock our digital troves or get both print and digital for only $99 a year. Make the smart business choice. Subscribe now. Welcome back to the Byline Breakdown. We are here with Denise Dick discussing the Mahoning Valley's repopulation strategies. Um, Denise, you also took a look at some other cities such as Erie, Pennsylvania, um, Dayton, Ohio, I guess. What are those communities doing to attract and integrate these populations? And what can the Mahoning Valley learn from their successes and maybe some of their missteps? Well, the, uh, they both are considered welcoming cities, which is a designation from an organization called Welcoming America. And it means that they've made efforts to make their communities welcoming to refugees, refugees and immigrants. So um, in Erie, there's lots of different organizations. This, the cities in those areas work primarily not as service providers, but as um, sort of referrals. Like if someone comes into the city and says, or, or somehow can communicate what they need, um, well, this organization can help you with that. This organization can help you with that. It's that kind of thing. This mm-hmm. this this one will help you learn English, and here's an agency where you can get legal help and th- things like that. So they're sort of a, not a referral, but t- a cer- like telling they're you how a resource. to – Exactly. A, yeah. That's the perfect word, a resource. So um, in Dayton, they have a welcoming center, and it's right inside City Hall. And they um, – they've one of the things that they've – it's called a – I forget the name of it. It's it's an ID program. It's not a state ID, mm-hmm. but it's um, a person who doesn't have a driver's license or a state ID and has difficulty getting one for various reasons can go there and get this ID. And now now they involve other organizations. They're not kind of the head of it anymore, but um, can get other ID that that is recognized by uh, services in that area to help those people. So it, and they also have uh, information available. In, in different languages and they have a um, a uh, it's like a, a f- number that you call where you can get like a translation so that, p- that they can communicate with when they're going to pay their water bill they can get someone who can help them get their, their questions answered even though the, even the, per- the employee doesn't speak probably the water department doesn't speak whatever language it is that they do yeah and in Dayton in particular they um, they're a, an it's a sect of, of Turkish, and I, I can't pronounce it, but um, they've, there's been a lot of them have, who have moved to the Dayton area, and they've revitalized what was called Old Dayton, and mm-hmm. they, they made, built, made shops and opened other businesses, and, and it, it had been a neighborhood in decline, and they've revived it. Yeah. Why did you um, choose to look at Erie and Dayton? They were two communities that I found out and heard from different people who were doing things um, Okay. Well, well, I was just I was just thinking, you know, they're they're sort of comparable to Youngstown and Mahoning eerie, Valley. Erie definitely yeah. is. Yes. Well, Dayton's a little bit bigger, but right. still, it's a you know former industrial city that's been losing population and kind of had a blue collar past, and that's right. And and um, actually, when I talked to Thrive Mahoning Valley, Erie was one of the places they mentioned as well that they've they visited. Okay. Too, and there's others too. Those are just the two that we looked at this time. Sure. Um, could you talk about uh, the story of Zuhar Nori from Erie? He, uh, he's a uh, businessman in Erie. And I apologize. I'm sure, I'm sure if I'm, he's listening, yeah. <laughs> I just butchered his name. Um, he came here in the early 90s after, after the um, – he was from Iraq, came with his two brothers. And it was after uh, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, and they didn't 
think that was, you know, they weren't in favor of that and they rose up against it, but that obviously that didn't work or they had to flee. They had to flee yeah. their country. So they fled to the desert and that's where they um, found some people in the, with, from the United Nations who told them, okay, you can go to Europe. You can go to the U.S. And they had watched movies from the U.S. growing up and um, saw it as a way to – it was a land of opportunity. So they came to the U.S. and they didn't pick Erie. They got they, – they wouldn't know Erie. I mean, sure. yeah. So they, they got sent to Erie and he said the community just welcomed him. And um, within – they put him in housing. They got him factory jobs. And they were young. They were in their 20s at the time. And uh, he, he came here. He, he had 100 bucks in his pocket. He only spoke – Two words in English, they were yes and no. So he started, you know, ground, ground zero. Within about six months, he said he could have a conversation without a translator. And within a year, he was self-sufficient. So initially, he and his brother, one of his brothers, opened a um, car repair place. But then his health kind of deteriorated, and his doctor told him he had to do something else. So he opened another business. He has a notary business. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um so I guess, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how that, that one particular office in Dayton is right there in City Hall. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have local government assisting or at least cooperating with some of these efforts? Well, they need to be a part of the equation. I mean, they're not going to do it all. Right. Like they, um, the, the, both of those cities that I've talked to, they have nonprofits that do a lot of the work, but they are a critical piece in the, in the equation. Mm-hmm. You have to have the cooperation and, and willingness to recognize it's something that you want to do. So did you come across, uh, while you were doing this story, did you come across any challenges that you see as far as what the Mahoning Valley is facing in these efforts? Well, one of them, um, and I don't think this is unique to the Mahoning Valley, but they're in the p- current political climate. Immigration kind of has an, a negative connotation, and for that's one of the reasons I believe that, that people don't. When you, when I'm talking to these people, they don't generally use often use the term immigrant. They, new Americans is the the terminology that they use. So um, that's one of the things that you know. It, it's not something that everybody is going to view positively going for at the, from the beginning. To start. So when I asked the question to um, some of the people, one of the people at Thrive said, well, what those other cities have done is emphasize the good. They they contribute to the tax base. They make new build new businesses. They um, have provide opportunity for cultural enrichment, like the food, just think about the food possibilities people from different countries would bring to the area, opening restaurants and um, just expose our palace to something entirely new. Well, I, I always say that about just our community mm-hmm. because you had these waves of immigrants right. from all across Europe and, and everything. And, and now we're starting to get some from uh, the Middle East. Like I know a lot of um, people who are here from Lebanon, mm-hmm. but you can, you know, you can get Eastern European food. Right. You know, there's all of the, the Hungarian food and stuff. There's Italian food, right. there's Greek food, right. there's Irish food. There's like, it's, well, that, and, and you get all of those festivals. So yes. it's like one more festival that you get <laughs> right, to go to exactly. now. Right. And the more the merrier as far as food goes. Yeah. Um, Denise, just kind of, just to recap. So what are, I guess, the main takeaways from, from what you found out doing this story? That it's, it's definitely a um, significant repopul- repopulation part of the, yeah, a significant part of repopulation is, is um, new Americans, whether they be refugees or immigrants. And if you um, look at numbers, like people who maybe don't understand it, the Ohio Department of Development in a recent uh, report said Ohio is expecting to ha- expected to have a 5.7% population decline by 2050. That's 675,000 people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. 
Yeah. So we're getting these new jobs like at Altium and other places out there, but you've got to have people to fill them. And the birth rate is not keeping up in Ohio. And we and younger people people are dying younger. Uh, you, you, they've attributed to both the pandemic as well as the um, opioid crisis. So you've got to get them from somewhere mm-hmm. if you want to. And the jobs aren't going to come if we we want the jobs. We want those industries. So we've got to have people to fill them. Yeah. And one thing um, I'll just mention, this is kind of anecdotal and whatever, but I went to, with you to the English Center. Right. And you took and, that wonderful photo. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we met all of those people. Yes. And um, and they were all, you know, I think um, Vasiliki said that, you know, they come every week. Right. They can't wait to be there. Right. They, you know, they, they, whatever they have to do to attend, they do. And, you know, we're talking about this three-pronged strategy of keeping people and bringing them back and um, receiving other people. And the one thing that I, you know, I think our community has a lot to offer, Mm -hmm. um, particularly now, certainly things are on the upswing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it almost seems like uh, there's a, uh, there's there, they were very grateful to be here. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it wasn't, they, they weren't there because they had to be. They were there no. because they wanted to be. Right. So, you know. And it um, was like a family atmosphere, too. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we're doing a good job of making the case for why people should stay here, why people should come back, you know. But I guess I guess what I was just saying is what I saw and in that room was a group of people who saw the message, heard the message, and were actually incredibly grateful to be here. And right. were just, you know, they were... If you could have asked them, if we had asked them, I'm sure they would have probably said, I don't see what all the fuss is about. We're perfectly happy. This is, you know, this place is fantastic. Yeah. You know? Right, right. They're, they're, I don't think they'd say anything negative at all. They, they were, right. they were, they were enjoyed being there. They like, look, they loved their teacher. They mm-hmm. loved what they were learning. And getting, going back to the English Center, I think it's kind of fascinating coming in. These people, the teachers don't necessarily speak a language other than English. Right. And they've got people, now the, the night we were there, they were people that were primarily Spanish speaking, but they've had people from China and people from the Middle East and um, people from um, Turkey and, you know, all over. So it's all different languages, but they all learn the same way. Mm-hmm. From, now, she mentioned that sometimes they'll have to use something more complicated, they'll use Google Translate. But primarily it's, here's English and they teach it that way. It's not like a the word for school is escuela, escuela school. That's not how it works. Yeah, it's all English, which yeah, I think she is just very talks interesting. In English. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Denise, for for being here today. It's an awesome story, um, and thank you to our listeners for joining us on the byline breakdown. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes where we go behind the headlines. And if you would like to read Denise's excellent story from our growth report, a link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Mike Moliterno. You wouldn't drive a car without a map. So why navigate the business world of Northeastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania without the Business Journal? Trusted since 1984, we're the compass pointing you to growth and prosperity. Digital, print, why not both? We've got subscription options tailored for every business-savvy individual. Light up your path to success. Subscribe to the Business Journal today.